Good afternoon and welcome. I'm your host, Dr. Robin Henderson, Chief Executive Behavioral Health for Providence here in Oregon. And here with me today are Lena, Kiana, and Grace. Teens are living in a unique time right now. Today, we're going to talk about teen anxiety and coping in the time of a worldwide pandemic, a large racial injustice social movement, and frankly, an upcoming election that's going to really have a huge impact for their lives going forward. As a reminder, the information provided during this event is for educational purposes only. It is not intended, nor is it implied, to be a substitute for professional medical advice. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Let's get started and welcome to Talk to Be Well. Hey, Lena, Kiana, and Grace, thank you for joining me today. What I'd really like is for, uh, you introduce yourselves, tell us a little bit about yourselves, and why are you passionate about mental health? Lena, why don't you kick us off? Yeah. Hi, I'm Lena. I'm going to be a junior. I'm in high school next year. I'm super passionate about mental health, specifically anxiety, because I've been on my own trip with anxiety, especially throughout high school. I started getting diagnosed when I was a freshman, and I got the help I needed, and I wish that I could have gotten it earlier, so I'm here trying to get others the help that I wish I'd had. Grace, how about you? Uh, hi, I'm Grace. Um, I'm going to be a freshman in college uh, during the fall. Um, I'm interested in mental health because it's been an ongoing struggle in my family. Uh, I myself have been misdiagnosed multiple times and still don't have a correct label for, for why I function differently. Um, so I'm just here for validation and uh, to validate others who might feel the same way. Tell us about yourself and why are you passionate about mental health? My name is Kiana and I'm going to be a senior next year. And I've actually struggled with anxiety and depression for a while now. So I'm really passionate about mental health because I can advocate for others who are also struggling. Awesome. Well, I know all three of you have been very active and very involved with the Work To Be Well uh, project over the last year. Uh, and in normal teen fashion, it it's been the kind of come in and come out as your life path allows you to join. But I'm wondering, do you ever get stressed when you experience anxiety? Does that stress you out? Yeah, I think they're completely related, right? Like majority of my stress will translate into anxiety and they kind of bubble up together, if that makes sense. So we have to take time for ourselves. And that's one of the things that we focus on and work to be well is that because we are mental health advocates, the program really accentuates the fact that if we need to take a step back, we can, and it doesn't mean any less of us, and it really means more. I agree. I definitely get stressed and anxious a lot. They both kind of connect in a way, and anxiety can be caused by the stress. So they definitely are two big things that affect a lot of teens these days, but being an advocate really helps with that because we can help ourselves and help other people. Yeah, it's really hard to kind of tell the difference between the two. And uh, especially right now when um, there's not a lot of stimulation from peers and being in big uh, circles um, of people. So just focusing on yourself and figuring out what it is that you're feeling and what is the source of that stress or anxiety or both is uh, hopefully during this quarantine, it'll give some time to do that. You know, Grace, you bring up a really good point. It is difficult to tell the difference between stress and anxiety. 
Uh, and some might say it's like a chicken and an egg problem, you know, which came first. But when you think about, uh, can you be stressed without being anxious? Can you be anxious without being stressed? And what's the difference? Um, for me especially, uh, anxiety has to do with a lot of negative um, and intrusive thoughts. Uh, so thoughts that your brain tells you that you're not um, able to control at all, uh, but it still feels, it still gives you the burden of responsibility. Um, so like, obviously the pandemic is not my fault and um, like the election is not my fault, but I still feel the burden of responsibility towards it. <laughs> but stress on the other hand, I feel like is uh, when you feel like you have an active responsibility in it. So uh, such as like Black Lives Matter or the um, riots going on or the protests, um, you know, everyone has a responsibility within those movements. And so I feel like the stress is something that you can control. It's just the burden of having to deal with it. Yeah, stress and anxiety are definitely different, but connected in a way. I think stress is more caused by like an external trigger. And anxiety is like a person's response to that stress. But anxiety can still be active, even if your stress is still like, if it goes away. So I think they are definitely different, but have a lot in common. Yeah, I think, like Kiana said, stress is very external. And I think anxiety for me is kind of the reaction to those external pressures and those stresses that they kind of build up. And then that revelation, that kind of panic attack or that anxious moment, whatever that is, is the kind of buildup of all of those external factors, for me at least. Well, and, and you all make really good points about that clarity of the difference between the internal and the external and the fact that COVID is, is definitely external. It's something that we can't control. COVID has given you all though the opportunity, look at it as an opportunity, to stay home, stay calm and relax. Has that helped your anxiety or is it making it worse? I think, especially when school's going on, it made it a lot worse because I get really stressed out and really anxious when I don't understand what's happening and I feel really out of control and the kind of ever-changing constant fluctuation of what school looks like and what life looks like was not good for me and I think I'm getting better at it now as I have kind of my own free time and we've been in quarantine for so long that I'm getting I'm making a schedule and I'm adapting to what the situation looks like now. Yeah when COVID first started I was definitely super anxious and I didn't really know how to control it but I feel like it's definitely gotten better lately because I found a way to cope with it. And I've kind of taken more time to myself to really, you know, process everything and like understand what's happening in our world. So it's definitely getting a lot better now. Um, the pandemic itself hasn't really given me anxiety or stress. It's kind of been the consequences of it. So like people are, being affected communities are being affected uh school is no longer a thing and um not to be selfish or anything but graduation never happened um and it was just kind of like that lack of closure that kind of sparked everything for me um so i've been trying to find a way to be my own friend and like find a way to hang out with me which has been extremely difficult so so far me and myself have not been getting along but I hope that uh well I hope that the quarantine doesn't continue but if it does I hope that I'll find a way to cope with myself 
You know, Grace, you bring up a really good point. You all, all three of you are at different points in your school career. And when you look at how school ended in March and all of you missed out on pieces of closure and, and they're very different given where you're at. And I'm wondering, you know, how have you found any piece of closure given where you're at in school and, and what are you looking at um, as you go into the next phase? I think as, I think I have the least amount of problems here as going in as a junior and not losing my senior year or having the possibility of losing my senior year. I think for me, what was the hardest was like stopping school. It got, if you told me that tomorrow I had to go to classes, I'd be like, oh yeah, seems about right. Right. My sense of time is really distorted and I've kind of carried that stress. Normally you have that released at the end of the school year where like, I'm done, I'm going to go to the beach and I'm going to go hang out. It's going to be amazing. This is over. But I stayed in my house and nothing changed. And I didn't get to watch my friends graduate. And I didn't get to say goodbye to my school because in where I live, we're getting a new high school. So there's no closure there for the school that I grew up in. So it just feels really empty and unfinished. So I don't, I wonder what it'll look like at the beginning of my junior year, if I'll feel even less closure and I'll feel really strange but right now it just doesn't it doesn't feel real yet you know I agree I feel like it was definitely super unexpected which made it the hardest Mm -hmm. part of that and we kind of just like like school just canceled and we didn't really know what to do and then switched to online and that was a big change for us and going into this next school year then we're kind of uncertain of what's going to happen and what's it's going to be like so it's definitely hard just like not knowing what it's going to be like and then what the future holds for us uh, for me, I was I was a senior um, in high school, and a lot of us didn't take the time to end our relationships at school before um, quarantine hit. So COVID hit yeah. America uh, early in the year. I forget if it was late last year or early in the year, and no one really uh, – saw the quarantine coming at least in my social circles so we didn't really take the time to like cherish each other's company uh so then quarantine hit and we had to do online schooling and that was really hard for finals as seniors um especially well I can't speak for everyone else but it was for me um and then choosing college a lot of that was kind of just a roll of the dice because we couldn't go and like uh see the colleges uh a lot of colleges adapted and had virtual um virtual orientations uh but that has caused a lot of issues in itself um let's see what else (laughs) um graduation was kind of awkward for a lot of my peers um a lot of my friends don't go to the same school and it seems like every school had its own graduation some people went in masks and gloves and went up on their stage and actually got people to call their name um whereas for my school we just went and picked up our yearbook and our diploma got mailed to us um (laughs) so and, and then that's the other thing it's that like you know this pandemic is not about us at all there are people who are dying this pandemic and the um the civil right movements uh, and the election, it's not about the class of 2020, but it's so hard to not feel selfish in it uh, because, mm-hmm. you know, we were promised 
you know, this essential high school experience, this essential uh, milestone in your life. And um, it's kind of hard to not feel disappointed. Uh, So we're kind of in that spot of like, ah, we want to care for ourselves, but ah, people are dying. So yeah. Also, we're not even sure if we're going to be able to go to school in the fall. So that is true. The new guidance has come out and it's, uh, about as clear as mud right now is whether or not you'll be uh, able to, to go back in the fall. We have a question uh, from the audience. Um, Kev's asking, how do others in your generation react to your voice in mental health advocacy? Are they accepting? Because you all have been really out there in your schools. Um, you know, you've been really out there with your platforms about speaking openly about mental health and about what's happened for you. Is there prejudice or discrimination with your classmates because you've spoken out? What's that been like? For me, I've definitely experienced both discrimination and positive feedback. I think some people are really accepting and inspired by it, and some people kind of make fun of me for doing it. But I just try my best to ignore the negativity because I know for myself and being an advocate is super important. And if I'm helping others, and that's just what makes me happy. Yeah, I think it's kind of the same for me. At first, when we passed, I was on Students for Healthy Oregon where we passed the mental health bill. And I think that's where we got the most trolls and people would come up to me and be like, oh, I use your bill to do whatever I want. And it it was really hurtful at the beginning to be like, oh my goodness, like, did we do this for the wrong reason? What's happening, right? But then with Work To Be Well, I've been really outspoken about therapy and how amazing it is. And literally nothing warms my heart more than when my friends come to me and are like, hey, Elena, I think I'm going through something and I know that you talk a lot about therapy. Do you think you could tell me about it or what it's like? And just knowing that my friends and people and my acquaintances can come to me and ask for help and that they trust me and see me as a, as a reliable resource, it outweighs any hate and it outweighs any trolling. And it's what makes me want to keep doing it so much. Um, I joined mental health advocacy purely for selfish, selfish reasons. Uh, I was really tired of people going, um, oh God, wow, my team lost. I'm going to kill myself. Or, uh, oh my gosh, my OCD is really kicking in right now. I need to sharpen my pencil. Um, which I don't want to bash my peers, but that made me feel very invalidated. Uh, so I kind (laughs) of got angry and was like, people need to get educated. This is not something that just kind of pops in and out of your life if you've got a mental illness you've got a mental illness and it is there and it is gonna be difficult to deal with but there are ways to cope with it um so yeah purely selfish reasons (laughs) well and and you all have talked a little bit about the different ways that you cope and i know that's something that people ask you about. I know that's something that, that our listeners want to hear about. Um, when you, what are your typical, you know, do you go to others for coping skills? What has worked for you? What are, what are your tricks of the trade that you use in, in coping skills right now? Um, some of, I have a couple that I use for different situations, right? As someone with anxiety, I really, I get out of my head, if that makes sense. Like most people would be like, oh, I'm in my head, but I get out of it and I'm totally not there. And I'm like, I'm having a panic attack right now. Like what's going on? So I do a lot of like centering work. So like, I love like putting both my feet on the ground and being like, hmm, beneath my feet is a carpet. 
the carpet is in my room and I'm in my room. I'm not anywhere else. I'm right here in my room with my carpet. And I kind of walk back and forth with that. And that's been really helpful for me. I tend to not go to peers to try to help me because I think that can go either way. And I don't want to try to have like put a burden on them that isn't what they're prepared for, if that makes sense. I really, I've used the team to team line before and it's really been amazing for me. And so I definitely recommend that to anyone struggling directly and like in the moment. Wow. I have always like struggled with opening up to people about what I've been through. So talking to my friends and stuff has always been like super hard for me, but my main thing of coping has been dancing because that's super therapeutic to me. So I dance a lot and I journal sometimes, but dancing has helped me a lot through my anxiety and depression. And I'm also very independent when it comes to my mental health. So I don't really like depending on others to cope with everything. So I think like talking to myself through my journal has really helped me. Um, for me, um, it's, it's very different for like everybody. Um, so the main problems with my brain that give me issues are, um, anxiety, depression, and OCD. And it's so different to cope with each one. Um, so for me, when I'm, I don't know what the proper terminology is. So I always say like depression attack or OCD attack or whatever. Uh, so when I'm having an OCD attack, um, it's really helpful to kind of focus your senses on one thing. So uh, I get like really uh, don't touch me or like, wow, I can really feel my skin or wow, my hair is bothering me. And if I'm in a restaurant, which I don't know why, but it usually happens when I'm in a restaurant, um, I take a moment and I kind of like go to the bathroom and center myself and look at myself and be like, okay, like you're here, you're fine, your skin's not crawling um or my parents have been really uh helpful with it and so they let me like tune out and listen to music or go sit in the car by myself for a minute um if it's an anxiety attack for me what helps is uh physical affection like my mm-hmm. parents hugging me or um if i just go and like watch a movie with my mom or if i snuggle with my cat um and then just taking my brain off of it too because it is solely brain focused um if i'm having a depression attack i'm still trying to figure out healthy ways to cope with that um i'm trying to get out of some unhealthy ways of coping um and it's been kind of hard to like reshape habits um but lately Mm -hmm. what i found is going for a walk it sounds lame everyone says that but i mean it like genuinely helps um or watching a movie just taking your mind (laughs) off of it yeah You, you all are a wealth of information because the, the things that you're talking about and, and Lena, I really love your carpet, uh, your, your carpet meditation. I think that's a beautiful one that just about anybody can do. But we know hiking, walking, physical exercise, dancing, all those things get your endorphins firing. And when your endorphins are firing, that allows some of the space for your brain chemistry to shift and to, to really begin to lift out of the space that you're in. Um, do any of you use breathing exercises routinely? Clearly not Jump that one. <laughs> well, <laughs> I've found out that breathing exercises make it worse for me because then I'm like, oh, worse. how do you breathe? 
<laughs> so it started out when I was younger, like when I was like really young, maybe nine. Um, my mom taught me breathing exercises, but then as I got older and realized that I was just breathing all the time, I was gonna like, this doesn't work anymore. So um for me breathing <laughs> for me, breathing exercises is just remembering how to breathe. Yeah. Normally. <laughs> I think for me I think breathing exercises are like not enough to stimulate my brain away from whatever's going on, if that makes sense. I go for like the yeah. carpet kind of talking to yourself because I think that it pulls my mind away quicker than like me being like, how do you count to four? How do you breathe? What even is a box? How am I doing this? I just can't. It doesn't do much for me. So. Yeah. Same me. Rachel, I just lose all coherent thought. When we're in <laughs> what is going on? I I've breathing exercises before, but I'm an overthinker, so I just overthink how I'm breathing. But like sometimes during anxiety attacks, then I'll take deep breaths and close my eyes and it'll help. But like both of them said, breathing sometimes just isn't like enough because I'll just overthink it. We're just really talented breathers. We don't even have to think about it, I guess. <laughs> you know, you know, I I I have to relate in terms of the uh, breathing exercises. They're, they have their place and they're really great, but in the middle of an anxiety attack, you know, for me, I, I've built a beach in my mind and, and there's a, a line from a show that talks about having a mind palace and my mind palace is this beach and I can go to this beach in my mind and I can watch the waves go in and out and I can, you know, feel the sun on my face and I can see the cabana where all the fruity things are that are so you know beach-like and tropical and wonderful and things like that and those are my you know building that meditation in my head has, has been that. one of the things that i think keeps me grounded not thinking about my carpet <laughs> could be in a mind palace right now right you got to build out your mind palace and you yeah. know whether it's a beach or a, a mountaintop or or a dance floor that. you know wherever your mind palace is but uh you know i what advice do you give to somebody who lives with anxiety? I mean, what would be the thing you wish you had told yourself when this all first started? I think for me, I would say distractions are good in the moment, but after like a moment of anxiety, you have to acknowledge that it actually was anxiety. For a long time, I'd be like, well, that was a weird time when I my hands were shaking and I forgot how to breathe correctly. Whatever, I'm going to move on now that I'm fine. And I think that if I had taken a moment and been like, what was that? Why was I doing that? That didn't feel very good and I kind of thought about it and I pondered it and I talked to family and friends about it, I think I would have gotten help a lot earlier and I think it would have been a lot better. My biggest piece of advice would be to find a coping mechanism, but a positive coping mechanism and not negative because there are definitely positive and negative ways to cope with your anxiety. Um, for me, like I said before, dancing has always been like my way to cope with it a lot, but there's tons of things you can do. And if you're having an anxiety attack or having something related to mental health that's bothering you, then being stuck in the moment is not going to help it. So if you have something to help you cope with it, then that'll definitely improve things. Uh, for me, it's sense stimul stimulation. So like listening to music, watching a movie, being held or whatever, just... Uh, making sure your brain is not the only sense you're listening to at that moment. Those are all really good pieces of advice. And I know 
all three of you at various times have been very active in social media and, and in helping to educate people through social media. Um, but do you ever find that you need to take a break from social media due to anxiety? I think absolutely right. Yeah, there's times you need to take a break from everything, right? I've taken a break from school. I've taken a break from like sports, right? And social media goes along with it. I think social media has positives in that I can talk to my friends and I can tell them how I'm doing if I don't feel comfortable with talking to my family. And I think that there's negatives where you're like watching the likes go up or not go up or you're trying to see what other people are doing and putting that against yourself. I think that's when it's time to take a break and kind of focus on what's going on outside and maybe go for a walk, like Grace said. Yeah, in my health class this year, we actually had a challenge where we had to spend 24 hours not on social media, which was actually super nice because I feel like I kind of depend on it a lot when I'm bored. So I feel like taking time away is really healthy for you because you can find other things to do. And also social media can be used either good or for bad. So I think it's good to take a break from it because then you can put your mind somewhere else. Um, I can't really remember a time before quarantine, so I'm just going to speak about what happens right now. Um, for me, I am struggling to validate myself and the actions that I take. So, uh, I am very politically active, and so my feed is mostly, um, stories about uh, police brutality and um, young children being killed and sometimes it just kind of takes a toll on your mental health mm. um, part of me was hesitant about leaving social media because of the overwhelmingness of today's Black Lives Matter movement because uh, for me to be able to exit from that movement is me exercising my white privilege and um, my ability to look the other way. Um, but then on the other hand, it's also I need to think about me and my brain. And so I kind of came to terms with the fact that staying active in political movements on social media is very good and should be done but when it goes against your own health maybe take a break take a breather um whereas it's not just me being tired of seeing political activity like it's me genuinely trying to take care of myself and so i think that that's really important that my peers hear that it's okay it's all right you know, Grace, you bring up a really good point. We're in the middle of huge, huge conversations about social justice, uh, really coming to terms with Black Lives Matter and, and how this impacts your generation. Um, and, and what is your role in figuring out how this moves forward? Black Lives Matter and the upcoming election, uh, I know they stress me out, but I'm in a very different generation. Where does that sit for you? For me, um, I have had a lot of time to think about this, and I still don't think I'm in a finite position because um, it's changing, it's evolving. People are discovering new ways of protest. People are discovering new stories every day. 
uh, people are realizing that their lives are not the same as other people. Um, so for me and my, well, for me as a white person, my job is to um, listen and support and be an ally and um, uplift the voices of my fellow people of color peers. Um, me as a child-ish, adult-ish person going into college, it's me trying to perceive what the future holds me figuring out what my major and degree should be and what I want my role in society to be. So mm -hmm. I'm going into marine biology to try and, sorry, there's a loud noise, to try and preserve um, the ocean and its wellness. But I also want to study anthropology so that I can go to other countries that are maybe not financially able to switch from plastic to a more green source. So it's just kind of figuring out who you want to be in society and what you want your place to be. Because it is privileged to decide that you don't want to be in society. There are people who seriously don't get a choice. And so, um, yeah, it's kind, of, it's kind of confusing to think about. Lena, do you have any thoughts on this? Um, I think, yeah, it's definitely confusing. And I, I really like the idea of being an accomplice. Like, I don't want to stand by and just be like, go get them. I want to be out helping and I want to be signing petitions and I want to be donating money and I want to be raising money to donate and I want to be spreading people's voices like avidly and actively. And so I think right now using social media is really great, but it has to be a means to like real action. Like you can post things and you can screenshot things as much as you want, but it's the actions that you're taking and the people that you're driving to sign petitions or to go out and protest that really matters. Yeah, I agree. Social media, you can do so much, but also doing stuff off of social media is another way to be an advocate. And I think that's super important as well. And this time in our lives right now is super hard. So just honestly, like anything helps to be an advocate for it. Yeah. Well, we're coming up on the close of our time and I wanna, I, I wanna ask you, um, you have an opportunity to say, to your fellow peers out there who may be living with anxiety, where do you start? How do you start asking for help and where do you go? What do you do? Um, I think you start with acknowledgement and you say that I think there's something maybe not wrong, there might just be something off or there might be an imbalance. And then I would recommend reaching out to your peers. If you know someone, you can reach out to me, you can reach out to anywhere to be left in, we'd love to talk to you. And I think you can always talk to Teen to Teen or some of the youth line. We, they're a great resource. And if you're feeling ready and you're ready to talk to your family and you're prepared and you're safe, then I think it's great to talk to your parents and acknowledge some of the, um, like, I don't want to say problems because it's not a problem and it doesn't deter you as a person, but some of the stuff going on in your mental health. And then they can get help from there or you can talk to a loved teacher or advisor. Yeah. And anxiety is nothing to be ashamed about. A lot of people struggle yeah. with it. So just acknowledging it that like, it's okay to be anxious and like, you'll find ways to cope with it and talking to either friends or family about it. Or like Lena said, like talking to a work to be well student or people from youth line and that's super important. So you can reach out for help and get the help that you need. Um, I would say acknowledging what you're feeling, very, very important. And then I love what you guys said, just taking the step and and um, 
realizing who your advocates are, uh, whether it's a teacher or a peer or an advisor or your parent um, or just yourself, maybe figure out um, what you need from you um, and just reaching out to people who you know you have in your circle and then finding finding your place within yourself. That sounds kind of corny, but I mean, that's what it is. Yeah. Get along with yourself and you'll be fine. Yeah. I think finding your circle is really important. And especially if you deal with anxiety and depression, you can feel like you don't have anyone in your circle. But you have us in your circle and you've got Dr. Robin all the time. She's in everybody's circle. And I'm sure there's family and friends that love you and want to get you help as soon as possible. Well, thank you all for bravely sharing your stories. And you are so right. There's always somebody here to listen. There's always somebody here to help. Reach out. You can visit Work to Be Well for additional resources, or you can visit us at providence.org, where we also have resources. Talking to your primary care provider is also a really great place to start. But there's always somebody here to listen. Calling the youth line, using teen to teen, texting teen, the number two teen. These are great ways. But the biggest thing is, Always remember that you are not alone. Thank you to the brave teens who joined us today and for everyone for listening and sending in your questions. Again, if you're looking with, for help with processing anxiety, we'll have some resources listed up here. And also always at work to be well, that's work the number two be well doc, dot org. I'm your host, Dr. Robin Henderson. It has been a pleasure having this conversation this afternoon and please be well. Thanks everybody.